motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Christina Whalen Chabot. Christina lives with her family on their beloved farm in Ontario. She is a best-selling co-author in the You've Got This Mama series and juggles motherhood, a role at the family business, and her Pilates business, Matters of Movement, not to mention her brand new podcast of the same name. During COVID-19, she began a Move Better, Feel Better campaign directly supporting women's mental health. After graduating from the Exercise Sciences Master's Program at the University of Toronto, she went on to study Pilates, the Franklin Method, and the OOV in an effort to help people find the freedom that a fit and healthy body and mind will provide. Thank you so much for joining me, Christina. I'm so happy to be here and chat all about motherhood and movement. Yes, I think this is a very important conversation to be having because there are so, so many benefits to movement, especially in our motherhood journeys. You are a busy mom of three kiddos, and I'm curious what your motherhood work juggle looks like. And also, how is movement part of that juggle and why is movement important to you? I'm going to start this off by just saying that I mother on my own a lot of the time. My husband is at the family business, which is like a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week operation. And so we get him for a full day on Sundays. So I'm on my own six days a week. And then we get them actually Saturday night too. (laughs) So uh, when we talked previously about what we were going to talk about, I just laughed because I was like, yeah, it's a juggle. And I like to think about what life was like before COVID and what it's like now. And it's very different today than it was before. So I'll talk about just today because it's relevant. And so I feel like in a way, my work juggle is, is so sporadic. You know, I, I'm mothering, I'm working, I'm mothering, I'm working, I'm squeezing work in into like the nooks and crannies of the day. So that by the time the end of the day comes, I feel like all I've been doing is working all day long. Like there's not a lot of breaks in there. So, but that's what's working for me right now. You know, during COVID, I was able to open up my online studio and create a whole platform for that. So I have been quite productive (laughs) despite, you know, the millions of interruptions that I get on a day-to-day basis. But it's it's kind of just the perfect chaos is really what it is. (laughs) 
And my daughter, my oldest has uh, informed me that I'm not as fun as I used to be. So I have taken that as a sign that I need to kind of scale things back a little bit and really spend some time focusing when I'm focusing on the kids, having no phone, nothing else in front of me so that I appear fully engaged. <laughs> so that's my, my jungle or my juggle, my jungle and my juggle. And when it comes to movement, movement is also squeezed into all of the nook and crannies. But I have to say that I am pretty strict about, about fitting in my movement. And I mean, we live on a farm, so that in and of itself calls for movement. We're moving, we have a big property, so we're always walking around, doing stuff around the farm. As you know, I teach Pilates, so I'm busy doing that as well. But I'm pretty diligent about making time for my movement because I have struggled with um, anxiety and anger issues as a mom, me trying to juggle so many different things that for me, the movement is so key to keep me kind of abreast and keep me floating and not sinking <laughs> to the depths of <laughs> to the, just the depths of, I don't know where, but somewhere. So it's really important for my mental health to keep moving my body. Do you have any other strategies that help you? Cause that's hard. It's hard to be managing all those things and essentially doing that all on your own six out of seven days of the week. Have you found some things that have made that a little bit more manageable or a little bit easier for you? Well, what I've done is on the nights that I teach Pilates, those are the nights that I, I've hired my kids to babysit our youngest. So the TV gets turned on. And, you know, sometimes I know some have, people have different ideas around television watching. But for me, if I don't have them watching television, then I can't do my movement. I can't do certain things. And so something's got to give, right? So in the end, I hire them. They teach, you know, they take care of my son, make sure that he doesn't interrupt us, which is the most important thing. And then they get to do what they want. And they have a little bit of kind of autonomy during that time. During the other times, I think I just try to move with the kids, right? I try to get them uh, moving with me, whether we're doing stuff around the farm or we're doing a dance party or whatever, whatever it is. If I'm trying to exclude them, then I really make sure that there's enough stuff for them to make sure that they can keep busy. Otherwise, I just include them. Yeah, and it is just that, right? Because so sometimes something does have to give or it yeah. just can't happen. And there can be that mom guilt associated with it, but I think we need to be kind to ourselves and realistic. And it is... It's fun in a way, you know, to have our kids sort of step up and help us out. And I love that you hire them. That is amazing. <laughs> I'm sure that they really appreciate that responsibility. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah, they appreciate when I give them the money. I give them a little bit of money for it. So, yeah. you know, and so, you know, they just did some online shopping the other day with some of the money that they earned. So it was, it's fun for them. You know, it makes it a little bit more interesting. That is and a then, very and creative then, idea. <laughs> and then they have to like navigate my son. You know, he's three years old. He's a little bit of a, a wild animal. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's so awesome. When he gets going, it can be a challenge. So they have to problem solve and figure it out. And my girls are nine and seven. At the end of the day, if they need me, I'm upstairs. I can leave my class if I need to. So 
It's okay. <laughs> no, I think that is so great. That is a great tip. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Now, obviously, as we've been talking about, moms have so much on their plates at the best mm -hmm. of times. Mm -hmm. And then now, of course, it just feels like we're juggling more than ever before. And it yeah. can be such a challenge to prioritize ourselves and our own wellness. And I know you've said that you make that time. It's really important to you in mm -hmm. terms of your mental health and managing anxiety. What are some suggestions that you have of how we can overcome the challenge of adopting healthier habits? Yeah, like I, that's such a big question, right? Because everyone in a lot of ways, they would just wish there was this magic pill that they could take and then, you know, that they, they would be able to either be steadfast in their habits that they want to have or just be able to easily adopt things or create time that doesn't exist because a lot of people feel like they don't have time in the day to be able to do certain things. So I feel like when it comes to making change in your life, first of all, it has to be realistic. My biggest recommendation is always to start slow and to start small because you make tiny little goals, you feel successful. You're like, okay, I did that. We're not trying to move mountains here. If you want to climb the mountain, you have to take one step at a time. And we just have to try to be patient with ourselves. So I think that's the, the number one thing. The, the other thing is, is if you're really serious about making change or creating healthier habits, you do have to try and work at it. <laughs> so I have this amazing tool that I modified from, so I'm a Franklin Method uh, trained educator. And one of the first, thing you, first things you learn as a Franklin Method educator is the art of change, which is this amazing exercise where you go through and you check in with your body with a, a specific kind of movement that you're doing you say okay well is there anything I can change about that you make a plan you try something to see if you can improve your movement quality and we'll talk about that later I know so I won't get into too much detail and then you go in and you try to see if whether or not your movement experience has been improved so I took that tool and I have brought it into my everyday life. And I've made this tool to make big and small changes in my life and my habits. And it's been so effective for me. So I kind of want to share it here with you. Yes, but one of the things is you go in and you check in, you say, okay, like, is there anything about my diet or my movement or, you know, my overall wellness that I want to change? And if there is great. So you pick something you make, you sit down and you write down your why's. Why am I doing this? And you be really detailed about those whys. Like even if something kind of feels like maybe it could be a why, write it in there. So I quit drinking. I've, I've been sober for just over a year and I use this tool for this. So I wrote down all of my whys, why I want to stop drinking. And I had a lot of whys. And I executed a plan. And my plan was also very detailed. I was looking for times when I would, when I would be in a vulnerable state. Like when, when am I going to want to drink alcohol and what am I going to do during those moments when I'm going to want to have a drink? And so I created all of these strategies and I had like 10 different things I could do. So I was like, okay, that's my plan. 
And then you go in and you check in with yourself again and you check in regularly daily to see how you're doing. And you evaluate not only how you're feeling, but you evaluate how your plan is going and if there's any tweaks that you can make to your plan so you can keep moving forward and keep taking those little steps forward. And so for me, I was eliminating something, but for people who want to add a good habit, add vegetables, add water, add movement, you would look at when am I going to move? How am I going to move? How frequently am I going to move? Just be really specific about how you want it to look. And of course, make it manageable because you want to have small successes. And when it doesn't work out, because maybe you've created too many restrictions around things or you've made the goals too big you can just scale back and be kind to yourself there's always tomorrow or there's always the next meal if you want to add more vegetables just have vegetables in the next meal there's little things that you can do all of the time and if anyone's interested in my little uh, change tool you let me know because I can share it with you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. That would definitely definitely be a great resource to share. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking personally, one thing I'm not good at is getting enough sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's as, a big one. Yeah. So I'm listening to you talk through that and I'm thinking, hmm, how could I break that down? What would my plan be? But I think part of it is every time I think to myself, and it's exactly like you said, I need to be better at sleep. I'm not making those small little goals. I'm just saying I need to go to bed earlier and that just isn't happening. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) I need to break it down. So yeah, you could start off by, by just having a chamomile tea right before bed. Don't even try to go to bed earlier. Just have half an hour where you drink something warm and soothing and just wind down a little bit. Don't even worry about that part yet. You start there. See, you could do a whole coaching program on helping people yeah. overcome changes with this, <laughs> this method. That's incredible. Thank you, Christina. I'm going to be applying it and I'll check in with you and let you know yes, what I'm you doing. Should. And yeah, I'll start with that cup of tea. <laughs> now, I personally like to exercise in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my time before my kids get up. Although our oldest, he needs his own time in the morning. So he tends to get up a bit earlier, but he's doing his own thing. But it just feels for me, it's a deep breath. And I need that me time before I start the day and everything gets going. And it just helps me to feel more calm and patient when I start my day off that way. Now you have an amazing initiative supporting women's mental health with your Move Better, Feel Better campaign. And I would love to know your thoughts on the relationship between mental health and movement and how movement can be meditative. Right. So this is such a big topic. There's a lot of information out there saying, okay, well, movement, you know, reduces anxiety and it reduces depression. And then it's just kind of left at that. It's so complex, the relationship. And I think what's really interesting about that relationship is that it's far reaching. What I mean by that is you think about how community impacts your mental health. Having a sense of belonging to your community plays a really big role in your mental health. So how does movement 
come into community. If you're become part of the Pilates community or you're part of a running community or you move with your family or you go for a walk with your friends, which I know you're a fan of doing. Yes. <laughs> these are all amazing ways to tie together a community and tie together your movement. So there's that side of it. And then we have things like pain. People who are living with chronic pain and who are not using movement as a way to relieve some of that pain. I went through a phase in my life where I was dealing with chronic back pain. Like every single day, every movement I made, it was excruciating. It was so difficult. And you get through it. You get through the day, you do your stuff, you go to your appointments, you live your life. But this is constantly nagging feeling and pain that is just permeating every aspect of your thought process, your mind. And when you get to a place, and I have to tell a story about one of my recent clients who was in, involved in a car accident two years ago. And she just told me recently about it. <laughs> She's been my client for a year and a half. Clearly I need to do better on my registration form, but <laughs> that's an aside. So we started working together on some next stuff for her and she's finally pain-free. And you know what she said to me, which is the most incredible thing, is that she has been running that accident over in her mind every single day since that accident because she's been in pain every single day. And now that we've been working together and she's had this release of pain, she no longer is feeling pain, she's been able to let that accident go. Like how much bandwidth has she been using in her brain and her heart and her soul carrying this pain and this accident with her every single day? Now that she's had this release, her whole quality of life is different. It's really quite incredible and magical, really, that we were able to get her to that place without even really trying a lot, which was amazing. So there's that side of it, right? You've got your community, you have pain, you have, you know, of course, you have things like your anxiety and depression. But what's also really fascinating is I did um, my master's on the autonomic nervous system, the fight or flight and your rest and digest, look, those two arms of your nervous system. And so when people are anxious, the, the sympathetic nervous system is elevated, your heart rate is up, you've got faster breathing, like a whole bunch of other things are happening during that time. Exercise has this amazing ability to kind of dampen that and kind of downregulate and lift up and boost up your parasympathetic nervous system, which is like this calming branch. It's so amazing that we have this ability to take the body and switch up kind of how the nervous system is operating. And that then impacts how your brain can function. You then can think more clearly, you can be more relaxed and that impacts your mind and your body directly. It's quite amazing. The other thing, which I find really fascinating, this has been a new addition to our lives, which is my daughter's diagnosis of ADHD and how important movement is for children and for anyone with ADHD. It improves their, their ADHD symptoms. I read one study recently that was so interesting because the exercise was able to improve the child's desire 
to do difficult tasks because a lot of times there's difficulty with attention and focus and it can be a big obstacle where kids don't even want to go there. But with the exercise, it was actually just opening up their desire to be able to like, you know what, I can do this. I can try to do this. And there was like less confusion and more energy, less fatigue. Movement is this magic thing that we can all add into our lives so easily. And you see how it can impact so many facets of our lives. That is so interesting. I didn't yeah. I I didn't know that there was specific research being done in terms of ADHD. I myself have ADHD and our eldest does as well and it's interesting because he has really made exercise a part of his day. He is in grade nine, heading to high school in the fall, but it's great to see that he's developing those coping strategies and those yeah. success strategies for himself that will help carry him through. But that that is so very interesting. Yeah. Now, it is one thing to move and it is another to move well, mm-hmm. especially as we get older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm 43 and I even find I have a few more aches and pains mm-hmm. than I did in my younger years. So how can we improve our quality of movement? I'll go back to that tool that I learned in the Franklin Method called the Art of Change. And whenever I think about quality of movement, I'm sure we've all had that experience. When you're feeling so incredible, you're feeling so happy and joyful and you feel like you could run a marathon or you could just skip through the field or just have this boost of energy and it feels good. It feels easy and you don't feel the grind and the pain and all of that. So I want, you know, people to think back, think to times in their lives where they have moved with ease and flow and you could just feel joy without feeling your body. I'm always just kind of thinking about trying to get us there and have more, more movement experiences like that of course it's unrealistic for us to feel like that all the time but and as you're right as you grow older you know we develop more aches and pains and no matter what we do you know even even if you're strong and everything like that it can still be a challenge but I'm going to go back to the science because when I was doing my undergrad the scientists were talking a lot about using imagery and visualization and with professional athletes and how that could impact their quality of movement during their performances, during competition. And they were able to show that scientifically, yes, there is a cause and effect. They would be able to image, visualize their routines, and the better and better they got at at it, the better and better their performance was. Well, isn't that incredible that they can use their mind to be able to improve their quality of movement. But why is this only for professional athletes? We are all athletes. We are all professional movers. You know, we move our bodies every day. We're parents and we're doing stuff. We're doing laundry and cleaning the house and gardening and doing all all the things, whether you're a runner or all of that stuff. So we should also be able to have these skills in our back pocket to be able to improve our movement experiences, like on the spot. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to just know what, this doesn't feel good. I'm going to do something about it right now and I'm going to move better and then I'm going to feel better. And in the Franklin Method, there's a series of tools that you can use. One of them being positive thinking and using motivational words. I'll share an experience that I've had 
we live in an old farmhouse and we have not to code stairs coming up to the second floor. They're so steep. And there are times when I'm walking up those stairs and I feel like I am carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and I might just be carrying my laundry basket. But in that moment, I'm like, wait a minute, I, this doesn't feel good. Is there anything I can do right now to improve this experience? And in a split second, I can say, you know what? Actually, this doesn't feel hard. I, this feels good. I feel a little bouncy. I feel like I could hop up these stairs and move. And you know what? Every single time, even if it's by one point on a scale from one to 10, my experience improves. And that's such a simple little thing that you can do. And that's just using positive words and motivational things. The other thing you can do is understand how the bones move inside the body. There's natural rhythms of the bones. And if you understand how they work, it can actually help facilitate a movement and actually make a movement feel more free and at ease. Uh, without uh, creating more tension in the body. The technique that professional athletes use is they use that kind of mental imagery and visualization. What that does is it actually primes the muscles in the body. That gets your muscles actually moving and activating like 10% so that when you go to do this movement, you're already primed and ready to go. So that can actually improve your movement experience as well. There's also expectation, right? When you go into a, a movement experience that you feel might, maybe maybe I'm not very, you know, you're like, I'm going to join this dance class. I'm not very good at dance. I'm pretty bad at dance. And you go into it like that. <laughs> it's different. You know what? I'm going to have fun and I'm going to do the best that I can do. And I'm just going to let go of any of that negative self-talk and that will improve your experience as well. So so many great tools you can use. There are so many great tools out there. And I know one of one of my strategies that helps me move better is my brother is a physiotherapist. Mm, <laughs> and oh yes, I, of course. Yes. So I visit <laughs> him from time to time. And you know, for example, my knee was bothering me. And so he worked on my inner quad. He didn't even touch my knee or the arch of my foot was bothering me. And he was working on the tightness in my calf muscle. And then he also, of course, provides the exercises that you need to do to make those adjustments to your movement so that you're moving in a way that you're going to have less struggles with those Absolutely. areas that were causing you pain. And interest, interestingly enough, his clinic is called Movement Sports Clinic. Oh, that's really yeah. No, absolutely. I have a very good relationship with my chiropractor. I do all the things in order to keep my body moving well. But I love your simple tips and strategies, how you can even just in that moment, as you said, walking up your steep staircase, yeah. just be thinking about things a little bit differently. And even yeah. that can make such a big difference. I know that the topic of accessibility and mm. movement has been one that you've discussed even with some incredible guests on your podcast, mm -hmm. Matters of Movement. So how do we reframe exercise, movement, and wellness to make it more accessible? Mm, it's such a big question. Oh my gosh. There's so many things. Let's start off with the most obvious one, cost, right? A, a lot of times, well, wellness 
And I think, I mean, the wellness industry is some crazy, I mean, so it's like a $2 billion industry. I don't know what the number is. Don't quote me on the number, but it's a gigantic industry. And a lot of times wellness can seem almost like a luxury. And a lot of times trying to get into a Pilates class or trying to go to a retreat, for example, or try to get the supplement or the shake, they're all often prices are just really, really high. And so I recently had a guest on who has made it her mission to make movement accessible to everybody. And she, since the day her doors opened, she had this sliding scale where she said, okay, you pay what you can. The starting cost is $5 to get into my class all the way up to whatever it was. And it was an experiment for her. She wanted to see how this would work. And she still in business. She's been in business for three years. And I think what happens at the end of the day is people will just do the right thing. They will pay, maybe a few people will will take advantage, but for the most part, generally speaking, the people who can pay will pay what they can pay. And the people who can't will pay less. And and that just makes it fair. There's so many things. There's also location of movement facilities. There's changing our mind frame around what type of movement is okay. We don't have to have a trainer to move our bodies. We can go for walks. We can do it at home. We don't need to pay exorbitant amounts of money to be at a gym or to do all of these things. So there's that. (laughs) There's one of the things around expectation and what the end goal is. If everybody's trying to work out so that they create a certain body shape, not everybody's body will end up looking a certain way. We all kind of have our genetic makeup, our body size, our lifestyles kind of just set the set the stage for what our bodies are going to look like at the end of the day. And I think if we stop trying to look a certain way and try to feel a certain way, that makes movement so much more accessible, right? We're not trying to achieve something that is unreasonable, <laughs> or unachievable. So I just, you know, there's that side of it. Then the idea around how often and how long we're going to work out for, I think we need to change our minds around that. Maybe moving every day is great. I I would always recommend people move every single day, but I would say a minimum 10 minutes every day is what I recommend of purposeful movement, right? Not just climbing your stairs and doing stuff around the house. There's so much to do around accessibility, around wellness and eating and movement that I think we just need to flip the script a little bit or a lot (laughs) and just try to aim to feel good. Don't spend a lot of money where you don't need to. I think that is such a big thing, shifting our expectations for sure and not getting stuck on only being able to move in a certain way at a certain time at a certain place especially for moms too because I mean as you know as we know it's difficult to try and fit stuff in if you can fit in 10 minutes great do 10 minutes with your kids in tow climbing all over you I have lots of videos with my my little boy on my feed with him just kind of climbing on my back and you just move your bodies together and it doesn't have to be an hour-long class where you have to shower after and get changed out of your sweaty clothes let's just move let's just keep our body moving and keep our mental health in check 
And if you have the finances and you want to do something like that, then you can go ahead and do it. But let's not exclude people from movement and wellness. It, it should be a luxury. It should be a right. Everybody has the right to wellness and health. I agree. I agree. Now, Christina, you've obviously been very real throughout our conversation. And I so appreciate that in the part-time juggle, we like to keep things real about motherhood. And I'm wondering if you have a mommy mess up that you'd be willing to share with us. So really just a mistake or something you wish you had done differently or a learning opportunity you've had as a mom. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing that comes to mind is the most recent thing (laughs) was my daughter's diagnosis of ADHD. So I have been struggling with my daughter for like ever since she was born. And I think the thing that I I spent a lot of time beating myself up for not being the parent that she needed to be because before we got her diagnosis, we didn't really understand what was going on. So I was like, well, if I show up better for my daughter every day, then she'll get better. But that wasn't It wasn't working. It was never working. It was this cycle of shame and failure every single day. And it was so challenging. So I knew in my gut that there was something wrong and I was beating myself up and I was frustrated with her. In the end, I was like, no, that's it. We need to do something about this. We need to get her evaluated. You know, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's not her. Like maybe we don't have to live like this. And, and then we got a diagnosis and it was like, okay, you know what? I should have followed my gut. I should not have been so hard on myself and I should have done something a lot sooner. That's what I would say is just to all the moms out there. I would say, please, if you feel like there's something not right to just go and get help and go and get some assistance so that you don't struggle longer than you need to. <laughs> yeah, it's that's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It was the same with our eldest. We kind of were gradually getting those pieces to the puzzle. And you look back and in hindsight, you think, why didn't we notice something or question, ask more questions or do something sooner? But we can only do the very best that we can in the moment where we're at. And mm-hmm. it's so good that you, yeah, that you got that information and information is power. And it's, it's so helpful to kind of get that understanding and then those strategies that can support our kids and ourselves in, in working together. Yeah. Now, before we wrap things up, I'm just wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who might be looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles? I feel like especially now during these COVID days, I feel like to take care of yourself, your house might not be the cleanest. Maybe there's dishes left over in the sink, but you need to take care of yourself and your body and let go of some of the other stuff that doesn't really matter all that much. I would love to have a clean house and and actually the clean house does impact my mental health (laughs) in a lot of ways but I think for me gaining a really good understanding of what I need and everybody's needs are different and making sure you really stick to taking care of those things so that you can 
keep showing up for yourself and your family and your spouse, if you have one, your partner, your parents, all of those people, just take care of yourself, make it a priority. It does make such a difference, doesn't it? Christina, thank you so much for sharing your time and all your words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and all the amazing things that you're up to, where are the best places to find you? So I live on Instagram a lot. So I'm there at Matters of Movement. I also have my website at mattersofmovement.com. And I'm on Facebook as well, Matters of Movement. So just Matters of Movement all over the place. And can you tell us a little bit more about your online studio before I let you go? Oh, yes. So it, it was born this year in started in January. And it just, it, it came about because I had clients and we've been working online since COVID began. And I knew that they needed something a little bit more. So I do both live classes. And then I also have this beautiful library of movement classes. I bring in a wellness speaker every month to come and talk about wellness topics that I am not an expert in. And I also bring in guest movement instructors. So I have things like yoga and hit classes and a dance class and a beautiful specialty class called Eldoa, which is like a myofascial stretching class. So it's growing. The library is growing all the time. But what's great about it is, is that it has a variety of class links. So you could come in and do a 10 minute class here and there. There are longer ones. We have beginner classes, intermediate, advanced classes. It's a labor of love, really, <laughs> at this point. So I just want to make it easy for people to be able to access wellness information and also to be able to access movement classes at all levels. And so what would be the best way to find out more about your studio if people are interested? Well, you just go to my website and go to Let's Move in there, and then I will guide you to where you need to go and you can learn all the details. Sounds perfect. Thank yeah. you so much. And thank you for joining us, Christine. It was so nice to connect with you today. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.